I sometimes think, you know, when um, it says that we're going to be singing holy, 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 um, holy, 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 and the angels are crying holy, holy. I've, I've gone through stages where I've thought, that sounds so boring if that's all that it is, until you start to unpack what holiness is and how much there is behind that. Um, and I mean, I just, the more that you spend time with God, the more that you dwell with him, the more that holy, holy, holy means so much more. Um, and I, I love just, just to sing those words. But this morning, we're going to unpack something. It's, we, we've been in a, a series, if you will, on evangelism where Trevor opened up how do you share your faith and what does that even look like? And we kind of had a go day where we went out and we're trying to be outwards focused. We're not just looking in, inwards at ourselves, but we're wanting to get out, bless some folks, encourage them, engage with the conversation. Um, and then the natural thing that flows out of if we're reaching out is discipleship. That process of being a disciple, the process of discipleship, all of, the, all of what that entails. So I want to start off with a story this morning. Um, now, it sounds like it's a bad joke, but I promise it's not. Um, it's, it's, it's three blind men and an elephant. And they're not in a bar. They're not jumping off a cliff. They don't have three wishes. Okay, three blind men and an elephant. So this is a long time ago. I don't even know how long ago. There's three men in a village, and they were, they're, they're all blind. And they were talking about they wanted to see what an elephant was. And obviously, they can't see, so they were talking about touching an elephant. None of them had, none of them had, had the chance to touch an elephant. So they said, we want to find out what an elephant is. And so one day, I don't know, months later, there was an elephant that came through with, a, with his master, and they were walking through the village, and they said, can we, see, can we come and touch the elephant? And, he, and the, the owner said, that's not a problem. You're absolutely welcome to come and do that. So the first, the first blind man went up, and he, he went and touched the elephant. He happened to approach the front of the elephant, and he grabbed the, the front leg. He touched all the way up the top, all the way down to the bottom. He said, okay. He went over to the other leg, touched the top, went all the way to the bottom. He says, I know what... I know what an elephant is now. So he was pretty happy with himself. So he went back and sat down. And the second guy, the second blind man came up, and he happened to approach the tail end of the elephant. He grabbed the elephant's tail. So he felt down the tail, and he felt like the, the bottom of the tail, and he, it was felt like straw or hay. He said, okay, I know what an elephant is. So he went and sat down. And then the third blind man came, and he happened to approach the front of the elephant again, and he, also, he grabbed the trunk of the elephant. And the trunk was moving all around, and he could feel like the tip of the nose was a little bit slimy, but it was very, very strong. And so he was pretty happy with himself as well. And he said, I got you. I know what an elephant is. So they were all pretty happy with themselves. They finally figured out what an elephant was. So they went back and sat down. The guy who owned the elephant left, and they started to talk about what the elephant was. So the first guy said, it feels like two tree trunks, really strong trees. And the second guy said, I don't know what you're talking about. An elephant is like a, a small rope with some hay or straw down the bottom. And then the third guy said, I don't know what either of you were doing, but an elephant is like a snake, and it's really strong, and it was moving all about. And needless to say, they never resolved their little quarrel because the elephant was long gone. Why I bring that story up is because I think that the process of discipleship or being a disciple in today, in 2014, can kind of be like that elephant. We all have a little bit of what the elephant looks like. Or we all might, have, some of you might have the whole elephant, that's okay. But what we want to do today is hopefully get a picture of what that entire process of being a disciple looks like, or that, that bigger picture of what discipleship and being a disciple is. We don't want to just have the tail. Okay, so if you were to ask discipleship or what being a disciple is to someone, I asked, I asked I'm, I'm going to give her away, I asked my wife, what does being a disciple look like? And she looked at me and she said, what do you mean? 
What, what context are you talking about? What does that even mean? And I said, I loved her response because if you were to talk today in 2014 what being a disciple is, people are like, well, are you talking about being a disciple of Jesus or are you talking about a discipleship class? Or help break this down for me before I can answer your question. And so I hope that we can do that today. Our world is so ever-changing. We have the latest Mac product. I think the iPhone 600 came out just recently. Um, The iPhone 599 came out last month. Things change so quickly in our world today. Concepts, ideas, they change, they they morph really quickly. Just as much in our church world, they change as well. So what being a disciple was even 10 years ago, people would probably give you different answers of what they think that is or what that looks like. One of the things that we, we should look at before we move too much further is that who were the original disciples? We had, so when we're talking discipleship or disciples, we had Jesus' 12 disciples. They were guys that lived, s- slept in the same room, were able to smell each other. You know, I'm not sure. That probably wasn't too pleasant back then. These guys lived with each other every day. They were in each other's business every day. They had the person, the man of Jesus, to walk with, to talk with. Jesus would say some crazy parables, and they would say, what in the world are you talking about? But he got to take them aside, and he explained to them intimately what that meant. So we can use disciples. That's our first picture of what a disciple is, people that were very intimate with Jesus. They knew who he was. They walked with him. They talked with him. They slept in the same room. They were with him right before he was crucified. These guys knew him intimately. The only problem that I have with those disciples is that they were over 2,000 years ago. It can be hard for us in Upper Hutt, New Zealand in 2014 to say, I want to apply what they were doing in the here and now. Well, they had Jesus with them. We have the Holy Spirit, which is powerful, but it's a little bit different. We don't have the person of Jesus with us. And we also are not 33-year-old Jewish men that are, you know, in, in the 2,000 years ago. So the context and time is also hard for us to place us in that. If you were to talk to a young person, what was it like back then? They'd say, I have no idea. Well, what did the disciples of Jesus do? I'm not really sure. They followed him around. So let's, let's break open. What does a discipleship or the process of being a disciple look like in 2014? We have small groups or home groups. I've heard them called lifeguard groups. I've heard them called tribes. A lot of people would say, if I go to a small group or a home group, that's discipleship or being a disciple. Others would say, that's not discipleship or being a disciple, or that might be the tail of the elephant. But I go to Bible college. I went to Bible college. That is being a disciple. At the, the African-American church that I was an associate pastor at in Tucson, um, they had a midweek service, and the midweek service was called Tuesday Night Discipleship. So if the, name in is, if the name is in it, we're done. That's what it is. That's discipleship. Another, some of the other things that folks might say is, Ben alluded to it. If you have a mentor or, you know, you're mentoring someone else, that's the process of discipleship. You meet with them for like an hour. You get together. You share deep things together. You solve all the world's problems and you move on. That's the process of discipleship. Sometimes we might even say that when we come here on Sunday mornings, that when we come and we hear the word, we worship together, that's the process of discipleship or being a disciple. Others would say it's maybe your personal, your quiet time. Your study time in the Word of God. That's, that's when you're being a disciple of the process of discipleship. I would like to suggest that all of those, just as each of those blind men were correct about what, deci- what an elephant was, that those are, those, those are pieces of, the, of what a disciple is or what the process of discipleship is. My first major point this morning 
And the thing that we're going to kind of spend some time on is that discipleship is much more about identity and who we are than it is about a class that we can attend or something that we do. So being a disciple or the process of discipleship is not so much about a class that we attend or something that we can do, but it's about who we are. The first, the first way I want to break this open is, what do we refer to ourselves as in the community? What, what would you say you are? What, what is our faith? Christians. Do we know what the word Christian means? Follower of Christ. So a Christian means follower of Christ. So we, we refer to ourselves as Christians. There's, there's people of the Muslim faith. We have Buddhists. They would refer to themselves as that. So in the community or, or even t- amongst ourselves, we might say that we're Christians. Now, I found it really interesting, and Ben started talking about it a little bit. I'm going to break it open a little bit more. How many times is the word Christian actually used in the Bible? It's used three times in the Bible. So the, the name, the word Christian is used three times in the Bible. The first time that it's used is in Acts 11.26. And in Acts 11.26, and the disciples were first called Christians. And the disciples, and it's saying in, in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I found that really, really interesting that the disciples were first called Christians. The word disciple or disciples is used 269 times in the Bible as opposed to the three that the name Christian is used. I would like to suggest that as quick as we are to identify with the title or the identity of Christian, that we would be just as quick, if not quicker, to identify with the name, the identity, the title of a disciple. This needs to be in the DNA of who we are. Some of Jesus' last words are so clear in our mandate to make our lives about this journey of being a disciple. So, Mel, if you pop that Bible verse up on the screen for me. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What an exciting mandate. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We know we're Christians, and I think we could all resonate with that. But Jesus makes such a clear statement to be disciples. It is interesting to note that Jesus in the passage doesn't say go and make Christians. He says go and make disciples. Now, becoming a Christian is a starting point, and it's a powerful starting point as well. Let's break open the word what disciple means. So in the Greek, it comes from the Greek word methetes. It means three things. If you want to go to the next slide, Mel. And me, the first thing it is, is a student. And maybe some of you can't resonate with what a student is, but I'm sure there's a lot of folks in here that could resonate with what an apprentice is. An apprentice to a master craftsman. We have builders in here. We have all sorts of folks. But the first definition of what a disciple is, is a student. The second definition is, is it says learner, as committed learner, a committed learner. And we're going to break that one open up later on. And the, the third one is what? A follower. And what does Christian mean again? A follower of Jesus. So I I found this fascinating, that being a disciple is so much more than being a Christian. Being a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, but being a disciple, you're also what? You're a student and a learner. I I just, I was really, um, I was impacted when I read that. 
disciple is so much more than a Christian. I want to deviate a little bit and tell you a quick story about the history of Jesse's drumming. Now, I would consider myself to be a drummer. It is part of who I am, and I identify with being a called a drummer. I've probably been drumming in some form or fashion since I was seven or eight years old. Archer's beat me on that now. He, he drums, and he drives our neighbors crazy already, and he's not even two. But I identify with being called a drummer. In church, as a little kid, I went to a small church. It was like this retirement um, community called Green Valley in Arizona. Um, it's really small. I think they had like a pizza hut and a golf course, and that was it in the entire city. And I was the drummer in the church when the other drummer wouldn't come. And what my job was to do was to hit the, the kick drum, the bass drum. And, and I didn't even have the ability to do it when I thought it should be. I had to watch the leader. And when he would kick the kick drum, is when I would, he would stomp his foot, so I would then stomp my foot after him. And I was pretty pleased with myself, and I called myself a drummer at that point in time. I was a drummer. I did play the drums. How sophisticated is to, you know, was not quite there yet. I think I even held the sticks. I didn't do anything with them. But I just, you know, I kind of sat there and was hitting the drums. I progressed a little bit further. We moved to New Zealand when I was about 10 years old. And I went over to the Wairapa. I started intermediate and they gave free drum lessons. So I signed up right away. They asked me if I was a drummer. And I said, absolutely, I'm a drummer. I've been a drummer for a couple years. And so they had me start illustrating my drum skills. And, and after I hit that bass drum a couple times, they, you know, he kind of gave me a look. And I, I realized something was up that I probably hadn't, hadn't gotten on to too much. Anyways. I, I wasn't a very natural drummer. I didn't pick it up very quickly. And my first clue to this was after a year of drum lessons, I didn't get picked to play in the school assembly at the end of the year. Now, I'm still working through that right now, so I might go see Grant afterwards. I wasn't a natural drummer. There was a couple of things, though, that lent it to that. I didn't practice very much. I didn't enjoy practicing. Um, and I just didn't pick it up. My peers picked it up a lot quicker than me. Now, I eventually progressed, and I started playing drums for my church over there. You can see, I've just been a church drummer all over the place. Now, they were pretty low on drummers as well, okay? So it's the only reason why I got my little slot in the drumming there. Now, my expertise with drums was about to catch up with me. It was Christmas time, and I was probably about 14. And um, Christmas music, I love Christmas time. And the song Silent Night was on the list for that morning. Now, I love Silent Night, but the only problem is that does anybody know what time signature Silent Night is in? It's 3-4. So we, we can all learn it really quick, okay? So I'll, I'll do it first, and then you can copy me. We're just going to clap. So all we have to do is count to three, okay? So, and one, clap a little bit harder, but, so it's going to be one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay, can we all do it? One, two, three, one, two, three. You guys are good. You're far better than I ever was, okay? So... Needless to say, counting to three isn't very difficult, but I didn't even know what time signature was or meant, and even if I did, the only beat that I knew was a 4-4 beat, which goes one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So, let's go back to Silent Night. We started the song, and immediately, something was not right. Jesse was not on, on whatever I was supposed to be on. Um, so I just want you to picture, we had the backup keyboardist said, I'm not going to tolerate this in my band. She, she was probably that far away from me. So if you just picture, it wasn't Linda, but you picture Linda getting off her keyboard. And this is in the middle of the song on Sunday morning in the worship list. She walked over to me in front of the drums. She planted herself right there with the, with the uh, congregation as her audience. And she started 
directing me as if I was a one-man choir, as if that was what was going to help me to learn this three, four time signature. Needless to say, I did not learn it. And I started hitting the drums fairly randomly and a little bit aggressively because I was a little bit embarrassed. I know that God is a gracious and merciful God because the song ended. The song ended, and I don't know how it ended, but it gets even better. My mom, who was playing the other keyboard that morning, she had seen this whole thing go down, and she said, I am not okay with this. So she went, and she dressed down this lady for like half an hour afterwards. Now, if you're, if you're a 14-year-old boy, there's nothing worse than having your mom yell at somebody that embarrassed you, at least for me. Needless to say, I learned a big lesson that day. Okay, let's go back to what a student is, and we'll come back to that story right now. The word student means applying oneself to. It's a Latin word, applying oneself to. It is so important that we apply ourselves to being a student of Jesus and his way. I had plenty of opportunity to apply myself to being a student of the drums. When it mattered and I needed the information the most, it wasn't there. I hadn't applied myself to my drum playing and was not able to make a 3-4 drum beat happen. Now, mind you, at 14, I'd been playing the drums and considered myself a drummer for about six years or so by that time. I was definitely a drummer. If you look at that word even closer, where student comes from, it comes from the word studium, which means painstaking application. Painstaking application. That was such a definition that rocked me. The word student comes from applying oneself to, and if you look even closer at it, it means painstaking application. Because I did not implement painstaking, painstaking application to my drum playing, I found myself in a very uncomfortable situation. I was definitely a drummer. I even considered myself a student of the drums. But I had not taken the time to apply myself in my drum playing. I hadn't practiced. The only time I practiced is when I would go to the lessons or I would play on Sunday mornings. So that was the time I wasn't able to learn anything new because that was the only thing that I was doing. I would just come for practice, and I was still trying to learn the thing that I'd been taught a couple years ago, and that's why I never progressed further and further. I wasn't able to play in the worship band to the level that I needed to, and I wasn't prepared with the level that I needed to be at. In the same way, both you and I are disciples. We know that we're called to be disciples, and we might even have taken classes and studied at different times in the past. People might even know us as disciples, as people knew I was a drummer. But to achieve what God has for us to achieve and to be able to do it well, we need to apply ourselves as students of the way of the Lord. So the first definition of a disciple is a student. I think about, I'm definitely not your favorite musician because my skill, my skill level is nowhere near where I'd want it to be. But if you think about your favorite musician and where they are, they didn't get where they are without painstaking application and being a student of their instrument. In the same way, a doctor who saves lives. There's painstaking application that went into him becoming a doctor. And I think about, what does a doctor do? Well, typically, I mean, there's some doctors that save lives. We're also in the business of saving lives. We've come to set the captives free and partner with Jesus in that. How are we going to be able to save lives at the level that we need to if we're not painstakingly applying ourselves to being a student of his way? Architects, in the same fashion, they're not going to build these huge, magnificent, glorious, you know, buildings and structures if they're not going through that process of applying themselves to their craft. If we even fast forward to today, if you do a dictionary search on the word student, 
It's a person who is studying at a university or other place of higher education. A person who's studying at university or other place of higher education is what a student is. Now, don't worry. We're not all going to university. But this challenged me greatly, though, to see if we can say that as disciples of Jesus, we apply ourselves with painstaking application as students of his word. My... What I was challenged with is that we should be applying the same fervence and dedication as university students in our pursuit of Jesus and his way. Now, this is very, very progressive. You don't wake up one day and say, I think I'm ready to take some university-level classes. You work your way up. In my drumming, I started by hitting the bass drum. You know, I, he would move his foot, and I would move my foot. And that, that was a couple years right there, and I, I was pretty happy with myself. And then I went up to... to the next level at intermediate, and I started learning the 4-4 beat. I could count to four. And then after the Silent Night fiasco, you better believe that I learned that 3-4 beat. I can 3-4 beat anytime you want. I went on to play, and I progressively played in different situations. I played in group in front of thousands of people at different times, and I've messed up really badly in front of thousands of people, and, but it progressively gotten further and further and more in my drum playing. The one, the one thing that I would say about that, though, is the more that I learn the more I enjoy playing because the better I am to play the instrument, if you will. And the more that I learn, the more I feel like I've only scratched the surface of what there is behind drums. The way that you hold the sticks, the different you know, intricacies of what that is and the different fills that you can do. And there is, is, it's like you've tapped only the surface. And, and now I have been drumming for the past 20 years and I still realize, hey, I'm just scratching the surface of what that is. No matter how advanced or how basic you might think your journey of being a disciple is, there is always more to discover, and there's always more to learn about our king and his kingdom. I think about just even one of my pet peeves is that when um, folks that aren't connected to the king are motivated and passionate to get things done, then sometimes we are in his kingdom. And especially for his namesake, if you think about the secular world, we can use an example of a doctor. Where do you start in New Zealand? You start at kindy or preschool. You, you, you move your way up to primary school and then intermediate. And then you go to college and then you go to university. You can get your bachelor's degree. Then you can go on to get your master's degree. And then you go on to get your doctorate. And do doctors stop learning? Are they done as students? I sure hope not. I hope that a doctor that, that was 25 years ago graduated has kept up with medicine and the progressions of medicine in the last 25 years. There's even continuing education for our folks that are at the level of a doctor. So I just look at the progression of what that is and say that we need to embrace the fact that our identity as disciples also means that we're students for life. The Bible is very complex, and God gave us this to wrestle with. Now, Jesus knows our struggles. I was and still consider myself to be a student of the drums. And this began as a small child and continues today. But I found that comparing myself to my neighbor never worked because my learning curve was a lot slower than their learning curve and probably still is today. I love to play the drums, though, and I love to learn new things. I still struggle quite a lot with painstaking application and applying myself to that learning of the drums. But I know that that is what is needed to move me onwards and upwards to the next level. 
And the main thing that I want to highlight here, it's not just to get to the next level, but how much more I can enjoy playing the drums, the better equipped I am to do it. In the same way, the more that we become students of Jesus and his word, we enjoy him and his kingdom and the things that he's called us to do so much more because we're so much better equipped to do those things that he's called us to. Jesus makes the call to go and make disciples. It is disciples of Jesus that make a difference and extend the kingdom of God. It is disciples of Jesus that make a difference and extend the kingdom of God. No matter what level you're at with your, with your journey as a student of Jesus and the way of the Lord. And Bruce, Bruce Billington next week is going to open up this, this theme, this topic of what the way of the Lord is. Learning his way in the context of discipleship. So no matter what level you're at with your journey as a student of Jesus and the way of the Lord, Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit so we can engage or re-engage your journey of being a student of him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No matter where we're at, you can always get up to the next level through him. We have a God who is endless, who created all things, who is calling us to learn his way. With a God that big, there's always a new thing to learn about him on the horizon. Being a disciple is not about what you know or a class you attend, but it is about who you are. Let us hear the call to fully press into learning our identity as disciples of Jesus. Peter, I was wondering if you could come up and just pray us out of here, sir. Father, this morning we thank you. You've called us to a journey. And some of us has just started. I feel I've just started. I feel I've just began on something I never even knew I was uh, committing myself to. But today, Lord, we just say again that we are your children and that you've called us and you've placed your spirit upon us and in us. And you're calling to each one of us, Father, to be representatives and uh, not just uh, people who talk about you, Father, but who live the life that you've called us to live. And so, Father, we put up our hands again today, and we say, yes, we are your disciples. We're your children. We've been bought with a price. Lord, you have set us apart for your purposes. And we delight being your children today, Father. And so as we go from this place, we ask that you continue to inspire, to to lead us, continue, Lord, to draw us into more of who you are and what you're doing in our lives, and help us to understand, Father, that discipleship is not about what we do, but it's about who we are and what you have done in us. We delight on that today. We pray your anointing afresh upon us. Pray that you would encourage us and enable us to know your purposes and your plans as we continue to walk with you. In Jesus' precious name and for your glory. Amen.